everybody. Welcome back. I uh, hope you had a great Christmas. And now a happy new year to you all. This is the panel discussion where we take old comics, new comics, and we rate them based on five different categories. Uh, we're back to our normal scheduling this week. Uh, but yes, my name is Matt Johnson. I'm alongside two of my co-hosts, Greg Knowlton and Chris Gallo. This is our last show of 2018. 2018. This yeah. will air on New Year's Eve. Will yeah. Remember <laughs> what a year we had, boys. <laughs> what a year this was. I mean, I don't even know how exactly how many episodes we're in. 17? Eight, I think there's 17, 17 or 18. Or 18. Um, but this was fun. You know, overall, it's it's cool to get to talk about comic books every week with you guys. You know, it's, it's been fun. I know 2019 has got to be... A really good year for us. I'm feeling Heck it. Yeah. I'm feeling it. I usually like to shit on people. Who <laughs> are, I, I happily, you know, oh, 2019 is gonna be my year. But and then <laughs> it, they, they the never they never do anything with it. You know yeah. what I mean? But I can I feel like we're gonna do something special this year. Um, you know, I just we got such a good flow, such a good podcast. And I love it. I love it. Um, There's so many cool things happening in 2019. Like first off of the podcast, it'll be our first. Uh, free comic book day, uh, like yeah, as a yeah. podcast. So That's I'm sick. sure we'll have something cool for that. You got Captain Marvel. You got uh, Avengers: Affinity. Well, Endgame now. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a ton of good like movies. Plus, like just there's a ton. I feel like I have seen more like special event books coming out. Like more, it's like short, quick series coming out than I've ever seen in the comic book world. I can't keep up. <laughs> well, and I think one of the coolest things, too, is we have Disney Plus coming. Yep. Which, who knows yes. what that's going to be. We've heard some of the kind of the big movie characters having shows. But I'm really excited for, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm such a Marvel guy, DCU. Like, the stuff they got coming out. Like, Titans' first season was great. I and now you got Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, and Stargirl. And they all... Look amazing by casting uh, and 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 all that. I'm excited so. for Doom Patrol, and I'm very excited for Jack Knight because I'm or not Jack Knight, Star Girl because I'm hoping Jack Knight is the Starman they're using. I want to see him in his Hawaiian T-shirt glory. They must have around. a budget too, because oh, yeah. Joel McHale is playing him. Yeah, so they like they, there must be no limitation as far as what they're doing. Yeah, I'm excited. Good. I'm excited for DC's future. Uh, I just I went and seen Aquaman this past weekend. And uh, it was absolutely, it was a great movie. That's it was gorgeous t- visually and had a nice, you know, long in- investing story. And I feel like Aquaman, you know, hit it. You know, them, Aquaman and Wonder Woman were such great movies. If they could just put their team up movies and make them as good as those, I, I, they would be all right. But I think DC's slowly crawling into a, you know, a com- very competitive live action Yeah. Like in in Marvel's range, as as, lo- as far as the movies go, I know DC is DC and Marvel TV shows are a bit on par, but I think movie wise, it's it's getting there. I would actually say, if you take the Netflix shows out of it, Disney even with rushes them, even with the Netflix and shows, with the Netflix shows, they still do DC pretty, still still has the edge. Um, Daredevil just, and Punisher are great Marvel shows, but again, Arrow's on what season six now. Then they have with Arrow, they have um, like all of the other the Arrowverse with Flash, with Legends of Tomorrow, and the continued growth with Batwoman now. And you have Black Lightning, which didn't do great, but it was still okay. 
um, Supergirl. You have all of these shows. And all the DCU shows now. And they successfully do team-ups. <laughs> and that is because, you know, DC just... And for just, some reason, Marvel TV stays away from that. Yeah. Defenders was not great. No, it was not. And, and, and just, like, you know, all that chance you have at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, Clark Gregg... Is the biggest Iron Fist fan you'll talk to, and they've never let him do anything with him, which yeah. was that upset me. It'll get there. And who knows with with Disney Plus? But uh, yeah, I'm hoping with the, like the success of Aquaman that DC realizes, hey, let's just sit on our solo movies for a while, like Marvel did for almost four years before they put out the first team up movie. Yeah, Justice League was what it was two two single, not even one solo movie. Then Batman versus Superman, and then here we are. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to make the people want it, want to see it. It's... And just character growth, too, because here's the thing. These are new characters, in a, in a sense, cinematic. Whether you know the comic book character or not, the portrayal is new. So not giving anyone a movie to really – like, you didn't really get to know Wonder Woman through Batman versus Superman. She was awesome, but you didn't get to really know her through that. Right. Um, so, you know – or you didn't get to know Aquaman. You didn't get to know Cyborg. You just rushed these characters into a giant team up where you have like seven characters all trying to command the stage, or six, <laughs> all trying to command the screen at once. And you have no idea who anyone is really except for maybe Batman and Superman and a little bit of Wonder Woman. Right. No one really cares. You want to get to know. When you saw Avengers, each of these characters had the solo movies minus like Hawkeye, but he didn't really need it. But each of these characters had their solo movies. And you got to then get to know and get invested. So that moment when those characters that you really liked and stood out on their own were awesome, all of a sudden standing next to each other, you're like, oh. I see. Yeah. Oh. It, it, it's wrestling logic, too. Think about some of the super teams you've seen in wrestling. I hate to go there. with, But if you think about the super teams, it's these wrestlers who are like like Survivor Series. These these wrestlers who are standing out. They're crushing. And when you see that, like the Survivor Series team is like, Kurt Angle and John Cena and Chris Benoit, because this is my favorite Survivor Series team. Oh, three? That's my favorite, too. <laughs> yeah. My favorite, too. Against Team Lesnar. But you see that team forming. You're like, oh, my gosh. Those guys on one team together? What the? Like, that is what should make you want it. Like, Mine was I mean? DX, Hardys, and Punk. That's like, a good I one, too, though. That so That's a good one, too. What a sweet team. Like, <laughs> I just loved Team Lesnar was so cool that I loved Team Angle. <laughs> Because it was like, oh my gosh, this is like Clash of the Titans. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Because, yeah, it is similar like that. I still get the chills watching the Avengers circle first circle yeah. up in New York City right when right when Hulk or when Bruce Banner rides in on the, motor, the little motorcycle. <laughs> and he did his, you know, time for you to turn green. You know, I'm something about, you know, it's my secret cap. I'm always angry. And he punched I'm always it, green. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I still get the chills watching that. Um, so, very good. Yeah, we're back to our normal scheduling uh, this week, going back to our old book and new book. The last couple of weeks, if you haven't been paying attention, we've had a few specials, which aren't very time-sensitive. So, if you want to go check them out, go right ahead. We did an Aquaman one. We did a uh, Obscure Crossovers. Um, Christmas. Christmas. And a Christmas one. A Christmas. I think, I think we did, might have did one more before that. No, we didn't. It was only three weeks of it. Yep. But uh, we'll be on our normal schedule until February, where we're going to do Captain Marvel. We're going to do... Uh, Hellboy? That's right. Oh, no, Hellboy's April, I think. Oh, Hellboy's April. It now. got pushed back to April. And Captain Marvel actually got... I mean, maybe they change this again, but the last listing I saw was March now. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. The first week of March. So well, we well yeah, because Endgame is April, so April 27th. Okay. 
All right. We'll so a lot gonna, of specials around that. We do. We're going to do like a, we're going to do, you know, a Black History Month themed one too of African American yeah. superheroes, which I'm really looking forward I to. Got a there's death a lot lock of book already. There's a, <laughs> what's that? I have my Deathlock book already. I got a, a steel one that I've been wanting to read. So we're going to, we're going to, you know, we got a lot of fun stuff planned, but for the next month or so, uh, just kind of coast it and do what we normally do here. Uh, you guys ready to get into it? Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll start off again this week. If you don't mind if I do. I do mind. Wow. Well then. All right, everybody. My old book is Avengers Spotlight. And uh, it came out in October of 1989. Its uh, subtitle is The Vision Goes Hollywood. And it's a really cool cover. It's it's, uh, Vision. It's his all-white version of him. He's got these big sunglasses on. And he's standing, he's got a map of Hollywood and all the stars, uh, the celebrities' homes. It's a pretty, uh, it's a very attractive cover. But uh, it's actually a two-part book. It starts off with a Hawkeye story, fighting a bunch of obscure, of his own obscure villains. But he's laying on the ground, and two character, uh, two villains, Bobcat and Mad Dog, uh, are standing over him, ready to go for the kill. And then they get into an argument and fight each other. Uh, to see who gets to kill him, and uh, Hawkeye gets up. He's he was poisoned apparently. He tries to run away, and uh, he hits him with some tear gas arrows, which I thought was I always thought Hawkeye's variety of arrows were were really cool. But he hits him, uh, gets away, and not too far. Away, he's hiding in an alley, and someone new comes up. The Bullet Biker. <laughs> what a name. These are like the most Hawkeye like villainous names Heck I've ever yeah. heard. Like you, thank you. Uh, you listen to these, and uh, yeah, all you think about is, man, these are. <laughs> I I would never see these in another book. Um, so he's fighting them, and this is a really cool ad for uh, a Nintendo Entertainment System over here. <sighs> Brings back memories. He, uh, he's hiding underneath a car, and. A bullet biker throws a grenade at the car, and Hawkeye dodges. Then he throws a... I actually really enjoy this part. He throws a trash can lid and hits Bullet Biker in the face, knocking him off his bike. And he goes, Captain America, Captain America would be proud of that little move. <laughs> <laughs> and he runs away. And then he's, he's running in the middle of the street, and he's surrounded by a couple more obscure villains. Uh, Knick-knack... <laughs> I thought you were going to say Nick Cage. Is that weird? No. <laughs> the guy's name is Nick Knack. These are all like circus-based I, villains. I'm more interested in your Mr. Bubbles advertisement than Nick Knack. <laughs> I got Mr. Bubbles something for uh, for, <laughs> for for uh, Christmas. I was really excited about <laughs> But, um, yeah, this character named Nick Knack who has a bunch of like swords and axes. He's like a, he has like a juggling act. <laughs> Chris is very into it. Yeah. Uh, and then a guy named, uh, or no, it's a, it's a, yeah, the group of uh, circus freaks, they're called the Death Throws. Uh, this one is called Oddball, and he juggles balls. <laughs> and then there's Ten Pin, he, th- he's j- he juggles and throws giant bowling pins at people. <laughs> Team Obvious. <laughs> So good. Uh, but they got him circled, and Hawkeye climbs up a telephone pole to get away. And he shoots one of Oddball's balls. 
that he's juggling, <laughs> and it blows up, and he uses uh, he uses that to get away, escape on the roof, and on the roof, there's a guy named Trickshot. Um, That's a classic. So it, it has similar apparel to Hawkeye, so I'd imagine it would... Uh, it's a legit villain. It is yeah, a legit he's, villain. He's pretty classic. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. That's how that story ends. The next one, uh, this is the Vision book. He's flying around Los Angeles, and I always thought the white costume was his original look, but it was actually, he debuted in that classic, that red, yellow, yep. green, was broken down and then came back. This was like an alternate like apparel for him for a little while, and then he went back to his classic look. He was red and green when he knocked up Scarlet Witch. So. Okay. Who so. came first? Sorry, side note. Him or Red Tornado? I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to look. Because I wonder if, I would imagine, I think Red Tornado is a little but I wonder if, like, because Red Tornado came, maybe they stayed away, they went away from the red for a little bit. That's that's entirely possible. There's that might whole, be a thing. Yeah, there's a whole, like, that time period, they all were kind of, like, back and forth. Oh, back yeah. And forth. There's there's so many ripoffs. And it was like, and it was, like, that was specific time period and, yeah. there. Um, anyways, there's a bus driving through, and... Uh, there's some smog that comes through, some dangerous smog filling in the cab, and the bus, uh, the bus driver. Oh no, excuse me. They're uh, like those armored, armored money vehicles, and uh, the drivers they 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 jump out and and these guys in like robot looking costumes. They call them smogs themselves smogler. That is like their little evil villain uh, Name, but anyways, they're they're trying to take the money, hijack the vehicles, and then Vision shows up and gives them the business. It's pretty cool watching. I never read a Vision solo book, uh, so this is really cool, especially the dialogue here, just how he analyzes stuff, and he's his, he's legit. Like, I mean, obviously he's a robot, essentially, but uh, the way he talks, the way his dialogue is, just analyzing stuff. Uh, so, yeah, he whoops him up pretty good, and then one of them takes, uh, one of the, the smuggler villains takes, uh, a, he calls her a bimbo <laughs> hostage. She's in, a like, a bikini top and all that, and Vision goes, sinks into the ground, comes back up, and rips the dude apart, and the lady who's just known as bimbo in this book gives him a hug, <laughs> And the cops surround him, and she's like, no, no, no. he uh, He's the one doing your job. And then he flies away. And uh, there is a, it's a television show. Let's see. Yeah, some kind of TV show. It doesn't say what it is. It's like a late-night talk show, and Vision just kind of shows up. And you can tell it's like an NBC ripoff because there's like a fake peacock thing going on, and and all of a vision just shows up in the middle of the recording and starts talking and you know this the host the host and all that they're throwing jokes at him and they're going in you know right over his head vision doesn't has no sense of humor and he 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 tells what's going on why he looks the way he goes and he goes yeah you know as i stated i i came here primarily with the intent of ensuring your viewers, viewing audience that although I no longer look like the vision they might remember from newspapers and television reports, I am, in fact, still that self-same individual. And it is my hope that I will continue to be able to continue to be of service to the populace at large as I have been in the past. 
and that was it. He disappeared, and <laughs> the last clip is all the West, the West Coast. It looks like the West Coast Avengers laughing at him. <laughs> he's stand, he's sitting there, like no, no reaction at all. But like that, that was the theme of the story. Everyone was like, "Wow, you don't look like you do anymore," and they're all just laughing at him oh, for, that's for a acting that way. Solid team too. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's like an iconic member of the West Coast Avengers, right? Yeah. Most inter- incarnations. Yeah, and well, Scarlet, him and Scarlet Witch, but that's um, that's U.S. Soldier, U.S. Agent, or U.S. Agent? Yeah, yeah, yeah my agent. Bad. I think that's was that Wonder Man. That's definitely Wonder Man. Before he, you know, um, I don't know who the other two are, but uh, you flip it over. Let's see. Bit. Oh, Pim. One of them's uh, Ant Man. That's got to yeah. be Ant Man because he says yeah. Pim. So I don't know who. Yeah, Ant Man's not the lady. I can't. She's oh. the one I can't figure because all I can see really is up her nose. <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of tiger esque lady, but um, this is not a- white tiger, so no. Now I want to know which one that is, but yeah. the rest of that team is solid. We'll figure it out. Um, this is a really cool book, really obscure. I never heard of Avengers Spotlight, but it seemed to be, you know, I, I, I've done a lot of books that that seemed like they were going to go one way and then end up being two different stories, and I didn't hate it. At all. Uh, cool little mini featurette of Avengers characters. So if I found more Avengers Spotlight books, I would definitely pick them up. But let's get into our category review. Uh, the artwork. <laughs> the artwork. Uh, the cover drew me in. It's very bright and colorful. And Vision is the only thing that's really colorless on the cover. But through and through, it's that classic 80s style. Uh, you know, the costumes and... And whatnot. I'm going to give the artwork a nine. Action. There was plenty of action, even in the Hawkeye st- in the Hawkeye story, and the Vision one. Uh, I mean, not a whole lot, but just enough to get you through the book. Uh, I'm going to give the action a seven. All right. Story. Uh, too many stories, and the Vision one was just kind of had a bleak ending, but it was, it was comedic in a way because of. You know, we all know Vision, he's, even if you just watch the movies, he's not, like, a humorous, he's very straight and narrow, down to business, uh, yeah, no sense of humor at all. So, that was kind of funny, but the Hawkeye one intrigued me a little bit, just to see where it goes, um, and it's cool to see Hawkeye on his own getting a little love, too. I'm going to give the story a seven. Uh, dialogue. Dialogue was very, very well done, uh. Especially with Hawkeye's, you know, he him recognizing all these villains and and a lot of thinking, you know, you, you kind of get it. You understand why what's going on with him, why you know why he's acting. He's all weakened and beaten up. It's because he's poisoned, and the dialogue helps that. But the vision, you know, the vision one, it, it sounded it sounded exactly as I would you know notice in the movie. I thought Paul Bettany the entire time, you know, and his, you know that. That's just the way the dialogue goes with that. I'm going to give the dialogue an 8. And rereadability. Uh, this was a fun book. Uh, not one I would probably... Like, if I had a choice between this and a few others, uh, I I don't know. I don't know if I'd instantly pick it up. But, it, you know, it was, it was still a fun book. Uh, I'm going to give it a 6 for rereadability. Giving it a score of 37 out of 50, relatively average. Um, that is for Avengers Spotlight number 23, October of 1989. All right, who wants to go next? I will. All right. 
I've got Nightwing from September 95. This is the first solo series debut of Nightwing. Um, so it is a number one of four. But I will hop into it. It is the classic, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, gold and blue Nightwing. So his... 95. 95. September 95. Um, it's funny because, like, he looks like a dark-haired... You can't tell so much in this panel later. Nightwing straight up looks like, like a dark-haired, like, Swayze or Kurt Russell. It's, like, <laughs> crazy. You'll see it especially as I scroll through. But I'll hop into it. Um, <clears throat> Nightwing is just watching over as um, this guy holds a gun to a woman's head. Basic, and she says, you said you wouldn't hurt me. She, she says, He says, well... Um, I'm not going to take my chance by leaving you alive. He's essentially, your dad won't even know you're dead until after you give a, give me the money. Um, Nightwing kind of hops in saying that's his cue and then knocks the gun out of the guy's hands. Um, and you get the idea. I didn't catch it right away, but there's little panels in the bottom and, uh, of just like eyes watching. And I thought they were supposed to be Nightwings, but now I've realized that they're actually Batman's. Oh, um, as I read, just like Batman's watching Nightwing fight. Um, and he's just kind of like doing his typical, like making um, those like quippy one liners. Uh, and he talks about like having taking them to jail, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he hops in. They His li- lines are super lame. He's like, what's wrong with uh, what's his own? one of them. He's like, yeah, but the one can be really grumpy and then hops in and hits them both. <laughs> Um, I find it interesting, though, the, the main villain he's fighting, he looks like a mixture between Joker and Ra's al Ghul. So he's got, like, green hair and a purple coat, but he's got, like, this his hair pulled up into the spikes, and the coat is, like, very, very Ra's-esque, if you look at it. Um, it looks like he's supposed to be, like, Batman's two main, like, villains mashed into one, oh, which that's I find cool. kind of interesting. I don't know if they did that on purpose or... It was just accidental, but that's that's what I took out of it. Um, oh, is it a Batman Forever advertisement? For yes, it is. The holographic Jim Carrey. <laughs> uh, oh my god! <laughs> he he hops down and he knocks at one of them, and one of the guys pulls out his gun. He goes, "You remember to load it, didn't you? Shall I wait till you check, uh, or should I shove it up your nose?" And he takes it and jams the gun right into the guy's nose, and he goes, "Oh." Guess you have to have a bigger nose. It didn't go in all the way. <laughs> super weird dialogue. Um, and then he goes to take down the main villain. The villain shoves the girl's head into the wall and goes to run. There's this really cool like silhouette panel of Nightwing jumping, and then he does this like crazy like Hurricane Rana flip where he throws the the villain's head first, and you can see it's this like weird. It's really hard to explain. It's like very different. I've never seen a panel told that way or drawn that way. Um, and he takes the guy out, and as he's, like, saving the girl, he realizes that she's beautiful without her glasses and then feels weird for thinking that. Um, and Batman catches up with him, um, and he tells him that he's glad that he's here, there to talk to him and that he got Alfred's message. Um, and they swing away, and they're kind of just going back and forth. Um, he, like, says... Batman's like, how did you figure this out? And he says, like, he did things cops weren't able to do and, like, talked to all of her friends and... Um, he tells him that it was like very nice detective work. Um, and then he kind of goes through and he starts talking about like how he was always living Batman's life and never really living his life. And he was basically doing things that, um, like 
made, would have made the Marines look like Girl Scouts. Um, and he was always Nightwing. He was always Robin. He was never Dick Grayson. Um, and he's always just been fighting crime, living Batman's life. And even at one point, he had to dress as Batman and wear the cape. Um, and it wasn't good enough for him. He never he never felt good, and he didn't like doing it. Um, and he so he was giving his resignation and actually hands Batman the Nightwing suit. Oh. Um, and tells him to give it to Salvation Army, put it in the trophy case, or burn it. Um, and he goes, and the girl he saved, he visits and basically just says, his friend was one of the EMTs, and he was there um, and and called help for her when she was knocked out. Um, and ends up talking to her, and her family comes in. And as he's leaving, she basically says, when he's cleared, does she want to get a cup of coffee? Um, he's then laying in bed, and that's where you, you totally get the Swayze. Like, he straight oh, up completely. looks like Swayze. <laughs> um and he wakes up and he's trying to find food, but he has no food in his house. And he wants a cornflake pizza, which I didn't know that was a thing. Um, uh. And Alfred just shows up to his house with food for him, um, and just immediately starts like butlering around his tiny little apartment and feeding him, <laughs> and just talking to him and saying like he's happy that he gave up um, the superhero business, and um, but he did have something he wanted to give him, and it was a letter um, that basically said. Um, if you say anything, I'll kill you and your whole family. Pickles the clown, and it was given to Dick's parents the day or two months before they were killed. Uh, and he remembers that. Well, that when that happened, they were in where is it called? Uh, Cravia, which is like they did their last show, um, and it's some crazy city. And they're actually going to go there to the Cravian Embassy. Um, Dick's gonna go by himself and try to figure out. Um, maybe really who killed his parents because he thought it was this other clown and it might not have been. Oh. Um, when the Pickles. call comes through, there's this guy like from the Cravian embassy, like covered in scars. And he says that, um, that there's a few loose ends and Dick Grayson is one of them. It's about time. They finally clean it up. And they call this like crazy, like comedian looking guy in. Um, his name is Oli is what they end up like, really finishing off is and he's actually a mercenary um and, but he, they say he doesn't look like it and he turns around and karate chops one of the security guards and immediately kills him um and they send him to kill dick grayson cuts back and dick is with that girl um getting a coffee date she's trying to put the moves on him and sleep over at his house but he's got to go to leave to cravia so she just kisses him and as it happens um Oli runs up to him and's like, "Mr. Grayson, wait up! I've got something you're gonna find touching." And then it says, "To be continued." I like that ending. Yeah, it's a cool ending. I'm, I liked it. I will say it wasn't what I expected. Hello, it's me. It's you. <laughs> I just me. the Batman Forever advertisement. I just thought it was just appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it scared me. <laughs> Worst movie song ever. The best movie song ever. <laughs> Good old Seal. It's so weird that they. I guess it's because of Poison Ivy that they use this song, but this it's This is so, the Bell so Kilmer weird. Batman, right? No, this is Batman. No, yeah. Yeah, this is Kilmer. Oh, yeah, so this is then, before. Because we get Nipple Clooney afterwards. Yeah, this is before. <laughs> Never mind. I was going to say, wait a minute. Yeah, you're right. If this song would have made sense for Nipple Clooney. 
<laughs> because of because of Uma Thurman. This would have been I a perfect say toy. This. Nipple Cooney had wait. the best toys. I'm so sorry to our viewers. <laughs> this is the best. It's our New Year's <laughs> Eve party extravaganza. We got ding dongs in the studio, and we're getting you got wild. Seal. <laughs> That's enough. I forgot where I was. Where am I? Did you read a comic book? <laughs> I smell burnt toast. You gotta give your ratings. <laughs> um, yeah, so this book wasn't everything I thought it was gonna be, but it was still good, so I'll hop into it. Art, um, use that crazy transitional style, with, a, but it had so much detail. The more and more I look at it, the more and the more the art grows. I mean, I'm gonna give the art a seven. Okay. Um, Action. The fight scene in the beginning is really cool. That's all there is for action, but it's a good chunk of it. Um, I'm going to give... It's not the best fight scene, though. There's still some cool panels. I'm going to give the fight a six. Action. Six. Um. Story. It's a good story. I will say that. This is a really interesting way... Uh, I So... This is where I get confused. I wasn't expecting. I'm expecting Nightwing to be standing strong on his own becoming this great hero but again it's the first of four so the story being him resigning really threw me off yeah that's a little bit of a swerve but it's like one of those things where like you kind of know that it's not gonna last forever oh yeah um especially with the way it ended um so i actually really enjoyed the story i think the the random love interest part of it was kind of weird uh and just just a way to fill panels um but i really i really enjoyed it um, I'm going to give this story an 8 because I actually think it was very clever. Okay. Dialogue. The dialogue is awesome. The Some of it. It's so hard because his, his quippy one-liners are super lame. But again, it's the 90s. But it makes up for it in the speech he gives to Batman about who he is. And then the speech Alfred gives to, to Dick right after is very well done. I'm going to give the dialogue a 7. And rereadability. Um, I'm going to actually give the rereadability a four. Oh, okay. Wasn't crazy about this book. I do want to read the other three to kind of see where it went. Um, but I've read other Nightwing stories I like more. I think I like the current version of Nightwing a little more. Um, he's the more confident, plucky, and sure of himself Nightwing. Uh, the brooding, I'm not really sure who I want to be Nightwing. Th- th- that actually takes away Nightwing. Like Nightwing is supposed to be... That that middle ground, you know right? What I mean, um, but we'll see. I'm gonna read the other three and see how I like it. But yeah, this was it was fun though, and it's it's definitely a middle of the pack comic book. I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't pick this up and read it just for the heck of it. I gotcha, I gotcha. Okay, uh, I do look like Nightwing's looking it though. It it's is the cool. blue and the gold and the Patrick Swayze and the Patrick Swayze. It is pretty cool. I hate the long hair. Really? Yeah, I, I'm I'm more used to the short hair now, but. I think at the time, like we wouldn't have thought anything else. And who the the coolest people had long hair at the time? Like Stamos, well, Robin never Russell. had long hair. Yeah, but he's grown up. He has he has a beard halfway through this too, and he didn't in the beginning of the book. <laughs> True. I, you know, Nightwing's always been a curious character because I wonder when they when they first made you know Robin Dick Grayson if if they ever pictured it would be able to turn off into something like this. You know I don't, I mean? think, I don't think so. You know, it, it, it's seventies so cr- that started. I think. Yeah, yeah. You know what I think influenced Nightwing? I think in a lot of ways he's to a point 
DC Comics Spider-Man. Yeah? To a point, like the young kid becoming a hero and kind of balancing that and not really sure, as a teenager, where he wants to fall. And they kept that Batman influence, but that Superman influence definitely makes him look a lot like Spider-Man, the way he acts, the plucky, quick, like, quips and stuff. Um, Just how he fights and how he gets around. He always has had that. And, And even his relationship with Barbara Gordon, redhead, very similar to Mary Jane, in my opinion. That's true. And I've always felt that that kind of dynamic there. Okay. I always That's see, just me personally, though. I always see an overall similarity between the two, um, well, between Dick Grayson and Bucky. That Bucky is well. Burns, um, a lot with their, you know, wanting to shed it. Well, Bucky's not so much his own, you know, on his own, you know, whim, but it, it happened just, you know, shedding away that childlike character that hero that persona you were and then becoming something a lot more adult um i would enjoy reading a crossover battle between the two i think nightwing winter soldier that'd be a cool book if you guys uh i think they're called like rising sun or something um but they they've came out with these like uh you know fights and it's cosplayer and it's but it's really good graphics bat and sun they do Winter Soldier versus Nightwing. Do they? They do, it's, yeah. Cause that's... And guess who plays Winter Soldier? Who? John Morrison. Are you serious? Yeah, it's, oh, it's I like, haven't seen that one it's then. really good. Because he's also Casey Jones in those, and he fights kick-ass. Yes. My, uh, that D&D show I watched, the, one of the former hosts of that show plays, is on the D&D show. Yeah, no, that, that was a, a the um, Deadpool Joker one's really good because it yep. has a Harley Quinn domino fight that's pretty good. Okay. Yes, I, dig yes that. I like that one. I dig that. Uh, 32 out of 50. For that about book. where I saw it, actually. So, yeah. oh, real quick, Predator vs. Wolverine as well. Yep, there's yeah. a whole bunch. Is that the same one who did Darth Vader and Batman? Yes, they, okay. and they did the the Power Rangers versus Street Fighter as well. Uh, uh, Green, oh, Green yeah, Ranger yeah. versus Street Fighter or Scorpion, one of the two. I know he did Ryu and yeah. Scorpion. There's the, like there's some cool ones. Maybe we'll do a watch party or watch along. I would not hate that. Yeah, <laughs> not hate that. We need to get a Patreon soon. Uh, I've been talking. Yeah, I've been talking about that. I so think we can we're- do things like that. Get paid to watch. I'm going to be trying to edit some more of our random stuff soon. Some content for 2019. Good, so. puppy. I want to get us a YouTube channel too. I want a lot of things. All right. I want to steal your dog. Did you rate your comic? <laughs> yep. I okay. got a 32 out of. I wanted 50. to make sure. 32. Wow, that's one of your lowest ever. No, I had a 28 like two weeks ago. No, that was you. I'm really not sure where I am right now. <laughs> um, well, hey, guys, just remember, no matter how bad you may think your book is. It'll never be X-23? X-23, number four. <laughs> number four. Moving, moving on. All right. Wait, All right. I have to say this. Someone the other day was talking to me, and she told me that X-23 is her favorite comic book. And I was like, ooh, don't listen to my podcast. <laughs> Now is she is this individual? Is she like never read a bad one? Is that kind of like I don't know. She she only read reads like X Men and uh, Captain America books. Apparently, I don't really know. Watch Watch X twenty three number four be the favorite one. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Hey guys, I, I read Tomb Raider. <laughs> Gullo, you're you're here today. Yeah, so my old book. <laughs> I read uh, Laura Croft Tomb Raider. Like Laura Croft Tomb Raider. Everyone, excuse us. Chris Gold just had a stroke on her show. <laughs> you see burnt oh, blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> I've never, I have not done an independent book uh, on the. Uh, 
podcast yet. You so haven't. is that Malibu Comics too? No, it's Top Cow. Oh, Top Cow Comics. Um, I uh, but it's through, it's through Image, like they're like a subsidiary of Image. But Top that's Cow. probably before Image was Image though. Yeah. Uh, but also too, like the um, the video game company gets credit to Idos Interactive and Core. Just so that. cool so that they they get all their credit, but yeah, this is 2001, um, and I'll tell you the exact. Uh, that was right as image was becoming. Image. Yeah, so we got 2001. This is issue number 15, September 2001. Um, but it's actually it just it looks like it just ended a, a short because what hers was because I looked at a lot of the books through this whole series. Right, there was a lot of part. Four of four, two of two, one of two. This was a one-off, so I figured it was perfect Okay, to read. Um, but uh, first off, the cover art, amazing. Uh, they got her in all black, and they have this silhouette of a guy who, en- who ends up, you get to know it's this Chase Carver dude, and it has this uh, book there, which I keep forgetting what it's called. I want to call it the... The Necronomicon? Uh, well, I, I, I want to call it that or call it the... Um, the the Darthold, Darkhold. Oh yeah, but it's uh, the Lucifer text. Uh, but it's got all these cool like skulls and everything. That's way cover, less which I clever. Was really cool. <laughs> yeah, the Lucifer text. <laughs> so, uh, well, it starts off with Laura Croft. Uh, she's actually just getting off an airplane, um, wearing a leather jacket, but yet a uh, very short shirt. So I don't know what the uh, point of that was. Laura Croft top. Uh, uh, <laughs> so it's her and this um, who's like her assistant, uh, Madeline Hoven. They're coming off um, a flight. And by the way, it's a flight in Boston. They're in Boston, Massachusetts. But I find it ironic that there's a whole family wearing Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> <laughs> why I took, why I like dug into this. I'm like, well, did they just come from Hawaii? Are they going to Hawaii? Are they just idiots? Like, you want a book all about that family? Huh? <laughs> I want to know what's going on with this stupid Hawaiian family. Not, 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 no, they're not Hawaiian. I'm sorry, Hawaiians that were offended. I'm sorry, stupid Hawaiian t-shirt lay wearing family thing. Much better. <laughs> we lost our Hawaiian audience. Did we have one? <laughs> We're big in India. Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We are. <laughs> I don't know about Hawaii. What's happening with this episode? <laughs> so, we're in Boston, Massachusetts. And so they get into a cab. And, uh, you know, you know, the guy's like, hey, welcome to the famous uh, Boston, you know, tea party, whatever. He's like the sleazy cab driver and everything. And and he's like, you ladies here for the big event uh, today. And they're like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, the big event, the Lucifer text. Um, and they're like, oh, I thought that was tomorrow. Take us to Cops Hill now. So because they were going to go and, and, and explore this because the Lucifer text is apparently the sacred book, much like the dark hole that summons the dead and, 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 and zombies and all that. So. Uh, so they get the cops hill, there's news reports and everything, and there's this little, like, um, like kind of sleazy-looking scientist, and he's like, uh, yeah, we're here to dig out the Lucifer text. It's actually buried in this graveyard. So they, they dig down, and they get this Lucifer text, and, you know, um, Tomb Raider, you know, shows up, or, you know, Lara shows up with, with the assistant, trying to plead to the scientist, do not open that text, do not read it, do not read it. But, of course, he wants to look cool in front of the media, this and that. So he opens... Excuse me. He opens the book, and zombies just start coming all out of the graveyard, just all over. And like he, and they're like attacking the news reporters and, and the cameraman and everything like that, and everybody's freaking out. Um, so Laura's struggling to get the book from the Weasley scientist, grabs it, and closes it. So when you close the book, all the zombies and everything, they go away, whatever. And she's like, listen, you need to put this back in the graveyard, get rid of it, 
this and that, and the Weasley scientist is like, okay, I will. Well, as soon as he's about to do that, it gets robbed by this mysterious figure, and you don't see who it is or whatever. Now, oh, by the way, just the backstory. So, I forgot that this is a big part. So, Laura is very down in the beginning of the comic, and she kind of is throughout the comic, because her and this guy, Chase Carver, who she was dating in the comic, Chase dies in the book before this. Okay. So, that's like a big story with her dealing with that. So... That makes the next part make sense. So she doesn't know that the the Lucifer text was stolen, right? So she goes to because uh, another reason why I went to Boston is his Chase was from there and he left something in his estate from her in like this lockbox in a bank. So she opens it up and it's a letter with an with an engagement ring that was his mother's engagement ring, and it's this deep love letter to to, to Laura, basically asking. Uh, you know, him to marry her. Right. Uh, or asking her to marry him. So you now have a scene where they're in the hotel and, you know, the secretary's concerned because she's all like intense into this, like looking this up and everything, um, you know, and about this engagement ring when like the Lucifer text has been stolen and like no one, you know, someone's going to sig- signal, signal the dead. Um, and she's figuring out and she finds out who steals the the Lucifer text, and they're in Honduras. So she goes to Honduras. She's climbing on a mountain, and she sees this girl by the name of Carrie Masterson. And Carrie has the book, and she finds out that Carrie is actually the sister of Chase Carver. Mm-hmm. And she, with the book, she wanted to bring Chase back to life. And there's a cool little scene with the book and 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 the the gravestone and everything like that. And Laura cries, Carrie cries, but she said, this is not the way to do it. Chase wouldn't want it this way. Right. He's not going to be the same chase, which I thought was pretty cool. So she's like, please tell me about who, how he was as a person. Cause she didn't really get to know her brother. So like pet cemetery. To, yes. Very, very <laughs> that's cool. That's a vibe I'm getting. Yeah. So that kind of ends the story, but there's a lead in story for the next book. Which I thought was pretty cool. So you see, like, this girl, she's in, like, uh, kind of a short shirt and, 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 like, a bikini. And there's this, and it's called The Last. And it's basically Survivor. And now this is 2001. This is when Survivor was, like, on top of the world. Yeah. So basically, these people are in Kenya playing Survivor, uh, or not playing, but they're, like, on a show of Survivor called The Last. And they're like, oh, the one of the cast members disappeared. So they go to try to find the cast member. And they get, like, wrangled in by these, like, octopus tentacles out of, like, the Kenyan desert. And uh, and that's where they, you know, and they said, the next issue, uh, Pieces of Zero. So, like, the next story is basically going to be her going to Kenya trying to save, like, a survivor cast from, like, this, like, desert kraken. Which is pretty cool. Bless you. Thanks. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Pleasantly surprised. You a big fan of the video games, by the way, or they were cool. Okay, I wouldn't like I like I would say they were fun. Like the new ones, I like the PlayStation cool. samples because it would have them and like Spyro and yes, all those back yes. in the day. I didn't have a lot of the Tomb Raiders because I mostly had like a lot of Spider-Man games, and, and that was a big WWE guy. And, right, right. You know, it's there's only so much a poor kid can get with video game was. <laughs> True, but I did play. Actually, I did have a Tomb Raider on the PC. Oh, really? That was actually. Because that was the point where computers were starting to get cool, and PC games were a lot cheaper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yes, you didn't were. have to have this, like... Crazy system. Yeah, you didn't have to have Voltron to freaking run your freaking... <laughs> yeah. The Transformer. Um, <laughs> the Bumblebee. Ugh. But, uh... 
pleasantly surprised. I figured I wanted to go a little different, but the thing with me with indie books, like I looked at Harbinger and a few others, and I just I don't really know those characters, and I didn't want to be jaded. Right. I didn't want to be like, oh, well, this sucks because I don't know this person. I hate to sit, like I love exploring new things, but I I can get like that if I don't know it. I yep. could be. Jaded. You taking a shot at me for my X twenty three number four review? <laughs> he. Chris read that I'm book. Obsessed. Low key gave me a fifty out of fifty. <laughs> that has no <laughs> comparison to what it's more of these weird ass indie books. <laughs> we'll get you yet. Well, yeah. I'll, so I'll make you. I'll pick out your books for you. Tomb Raider. Uh, yes. <laughs> Are we gonna do an episode like that? I think that so. would be interesting. A, a roulette of. Can we just put no seriously. I don't know. Sorry, audience. We throw a bunch of comics in a. Basket. We each like buy a few comments, throw them in a the basket. We both pick. We each pick two out of there. That it's a good. It's a roulette. It's a roulette episode. I'm all about it. I, I yes, it's gonna happen. <laughs> like, so we're gonna do that for a special down the road. I want. I want to give it a cool name though. <laughs> Panel roulette. Oh, now we can work on it. We'll, we got time. We'll, we'll think about it. <laughs> Luck of the draw. <laughs> Heyo. All right, let's review this Tomb Raider book. <laughs> please, please, my brain. <laughs> let's review this. Um, uh, first off, uh, with artwork, uh, very cool for 2001. Would not have known it was a 2001 book. You would think it was a 2014, 15. A little like, more modern, how, yeah. How modern it looks. The book's yeah. in really good shape, yeah, too. Yeah, really good shape. Um, artwork was really cool. Uh, that was probably my favorite part of the book. I give that a 10. Okay. I thought it was very, very vivid yeah. and very detailed. Um, action, there really isn't any action. She doesn't really fight the zombies. She doesn't fight anybody. Uh, it's cool that there's zombies come out of this book and, and this and that, but there's really no action in, other than that. And then the desert cracking, I'm calling it, just because that sounds cool. So I give the action a three because there just really isn't any. Very minimal. Okay. Um, story? Yes. Storytelling, uh, pretty cool. Middle of the series, you don't really know what happened to this Chase Carver guy, but you know he's dead and you know what affects her. So you could really pick this up midstream. <laughs> it's a one-off. It's a one-off story uh, that you know. You, it's pretty fun in this and that. Uh, like I said, I just only wish it was more like she was fighting a villain or something like that. So like the next comic looks like it's gonna be really sweet. Uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll give this story a seven. Okay. Uh, as far as dialogue, really cool. Like I said, the backstory, a lot of backstory dialogue with this, with this, I want to call her secretary in a way, the assistant to Laura Croft. So there was a lot of good with that. And then the letter and everything, which you could read, and it was really intense, but like, you know, uh, readable. Uh, so I'll give the dialogue, I'll give the dialogue 10. It was actually a really good dialogue. Nice. Okay. As far as rereadability. I mean, this was neat. I would, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised. I would say, hey, like, look at this cool Tomb Raider book. I've read a lot of these these uh, books, not just based on video games, but based on movie characters and stuff. Like, I've read a Red Sonja book that sucked. Right. I, I've read Alien books that sucked. Like, it, sometimes it could be bad. Sometimes it could be good. Some good Predator books. Some the uh, Rocksteady and Bebop book that I want to do here soon is really fun. Like, but. Sometimes, like I said, sometimes you get pleasantly surprised, and this was a pleasant surprise. Good. Um, so I'll give it at first seven. I'll be like, hey, you know, it wouldn't be the first thing I would reread, but you know what? That'd be cool to read. 
Very good. 37 out of 50. Chris, we tied. We tied. So, all right, very good. If there was a fight, it would have been the 40s. Right. Oh, easily. There's no easily. fight. <laughs> yeah, you can't have that. Got to get the, those dual-wielding pistols out. All right. So now we're on to the new books. And this one was a lot of fun. Me and Greg were actually at the comic book store uh, a couple weeks ago. I think it was. We met up yeah, and like went to House of Fantasy, and I was just grabbing books. Just grabbing books, whatever I can find. And I came across this. this uh, it's a Star Wars book. Uh, Star Wars Age of Republic, Qui-Gon Jinn. And for those who know me outside, I'm not as open about it because I'm not a big fan of the new Star Wars, you know, some some of the stuff, but I'm a huge fan of... Jar Jar Banks. <laughs> my favorite. Uh, huge letdown that he wasn't Kylo Ren. But that's a discussion for another time. Uh, huge fan of the, you know, the prequel trilogy and the and the obviously the original trilogy and and what those worlds set up and the way it was and so and, and Qui-Gon was a very underappreciated I'm not going to say underappreciated but uh you know he had his one and done role but he played a very important part in the uh in the overall story uh, which actually this book alludes to at the end which I thought was a really nice touch but um, let's get into it. This is before episode one, obviously, because Qui-Gon dies um, at the time. But it starts off, they're on a planet called uh, Brienne, I think. And Qui-Gon is defending a Mistress Thier um, from getting shot at. And it's eventually said that a, um, what is it called? Some kind of rebel... Well, not even so much of a rebel, but this this faction is trying to take over her planet. Their her planet is is you know all about greenery and and nature and stuff. And this this new faction, uh, if I can get what their name is, but uh, they're all about modern tech and and destroying nature and, and and this and that. And they're trying to hunt her down to get her to sign like a treaty. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of Episode One uh, with with Queen Amidala and the Trade Federation. Um, but he uh, he does some cool he has some cool uh, lightsaber work here blocks a bunch of bullets and Obi Wan actually pilots a well actually pilots a, a ship gets takes him out and they fly to Coruscant. Um, they have a little bit of a you know discussion about where Qui Gon. It's cool because if you guys remember Episode One, the Phantom Menace, uh, Qui Gon wasn't exactly always the most. He, you know, he, he questioned the Jedi a lot, their motives, what they were, and you get to see a lot of that more so in this, uh, which was cool because growing up as a kid, I used to read a lot of the Scholastic uh, books. You get the book orders, and I would just buy anything Star Wars, and, and there was a couple, there was a nice series of Qui-Gon Obi-Wan books right in this time period. So this is nice to see uh, a little more modern take on it. But um, this uh, this mistress... Thier, I think uh, what her name was, what I said. Um, she's questioning about, you know, what, why the Jedi do what they do. They're pretty much soldiers, and he has to remind her, no, we're not, we're not soldiers. We're keepers of the peace. And there's a really nice, like, discussion here. It's it's Yoda and, and Qui Gon at the Jedi Temple, and you know they're they're just talking about, you know, what, why the Jedi, you know, why it is this way, and and how they appear. You know how they shouldn't be on the planet of Coruscant because they just look like um, they appear like like soldiers to that to to the galaxy, to the universe because they're right there for the the 
you know, the the Republic's beck and call. And yeah, there was a cool little discussion there. Then Qui Gon, he said he's told to go to go travel, go drift away and uh, you know, find a little peace of mind. And he gets and this is cool too, because I've never seen him pilot a Jedi Starfighter. And he didn't do it in any of the movies. He wasn't really known for being a pilot, but he pilots one just like Obi-Wan did back in, you know, episode two. Hops in it and just flies away and lets the Force guide him uh, to where he wants to wherever. And he's on, I think he's dreaming at this point. But uh, it's like a metaphor for, like, dark, you know, the dark side. There's this red that's covering all this greenery. And he himself gets, like, attacked by it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of just, you know, that battle within sort of uh, vibe to it. But he realizes it's it's just a dream. He he comes back and uh, flies back to Coruscant. He's with uh, the Mistress Theer. And, uh, you know, telling he's telling her, you know, that Coruscant's not such a, not such a bad place because she's not a big fan of it. Because obviously it's big buildings and and stuff like that. But she found a little patch of green, and, and she said, "You know what? You're gonna do just you're gonna do just fine here. You're uh, there's tons of people here with struggles like like you." And another, the book closes with a another really nice discussion between Qui Gon and Yoda about the dark side, and that's kind of how it ended. And at the very end, which I, I really appreciated, it was a legacy of a Jedi. And they did a rundown of, of you know, Qui-Gon's importance in the overall story and the movies and, and so much more. So this was really cool. This is really cool. Apparently this is the first of 27 one-shots between December or no, yeah, December, uh, the current month we're in, all the way to September of 2019. And... Uh, Darth Maul has been re- uh, released already, and they have the next couple ones are Obi Wan, which is going to be on sale January second, Jango Fett on January 9th, and uh, an Age of the Republic special. It has Mace Windu, Jar Jar, Asajj Ventress on it. It's January sixteenth. We get an Emerald Ackbar one. I think with the way the Age of the Republic is just, is just going to be prequel characters, yeah. which I don't hate necessarily hate, but I would like it. You can do Admiral Ackbar. Prequel trilogy, freaking sweet. Well, Chewbacca too, because Chewbacca's in like the third movie. Yeah, so, like, that is very true. I mean, I've read the Chewbacca solo run; it's really good. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good Star Wars books. I mean, Marvel did a really good job with it, and and I gotta say, gotta give it its compliment. It this book made me appreciate Star Wars again. Yeah, it really did. You need to read the Vader books because, like, Vader down, and then the current run of Darth Vader is honestly like like incredible. Like. They're very solid Star Wars. Books. I've read, I watch videos of them because I watch. I, I try to pick up a lot of like extra stuff, and they talk about the comics and yeah. and ones like there. There was one I, I I heard it was some kind of ambush for Darth Vader. It was a bunch of rogue Jedi. That's Vader down. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and he he like because they trapped him like oh Obi Wan's here and Vader ends up killing all of them, and it just added to his you know notoriety and like that's that's such cool stuff. I have some Star Wars books. I, I got to find more. Like it, it, Marvel's doing a great job with it, and I, this is something I want to collect every single one of these one shots. There's actually a Star Wars reference in my new book. Oh, really? You, you guys will oh. really appreciate. I, it. I need to finish that book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing it. Let's go on the artwork. Uh, the cover, awesome. Qui Gon, you know, signature pose, 
and and through and through, it's very white, uh, excuse me, bright, vibrant colors uh, throughout the book that really do good for the setting. I'm going to give the artwork a ten. Action. There's plenty of action. You know, there's some in the Dream World, and there's some at the beginning. Uh, not a whole lot for a star. You know, a Star Wars book, which I think it's all violence. But again, they're uh, they're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Uh, seven for the action. Story wise, really good. I, I hope they eventually expand upon this. Uh, I would. I do want to see more Qui Gon Jinn and more backstory. You know, right before Episode One is his. Un- you know, his death at the hands of Darth Maul. Uh, did not hate it for, for a one-off. Uh, it's really, really good. I'm going to give a seven on that. Uh, dialogue. A lot of cool discussions. Like that, that one-on-one with Qui-Gon and Yoda was really neat. And the the uh, discussion with the the Mistress Theer. You know, question, helping fuel Qui-Gon's questioning of the Jedi Order and and all that stuff that he comes, you know, that eventually becomes a film. I'm going to give that an 8. And rereadability, 10, all day. Uh, like I said, it helped me fall in love with Star Wars again, and I'm looking forward to uh, reading more of these. So 42 out of 50 for Star Wars Age of Republic Qui-Gon Jinn. So I could see them with this going putting out these 27 books and at the end of 2019 looking at the sales and going, all right, what sold well, what's been being picked up for back issue um, and looking at it and go, all right, here's our next Darth Vader style series. Here's our next Captain Afra, whatever series they have running right now and maybe turning Qui-Gon into a long running solo book or I yeah. would Darth Maul. Because you didn't get much of him in the movies. You got one movie out of him. I think it'll be whoever they, they – Whoever has the best sales, I think Darth Maul is an obvious right now. That's a possibility because of his Clone Wars stuff, and then his inclusion inclusion in the Solo movie. Um, he's definitely a possibility to have more. But I think that might be something they're doing here is probing. Like, I think what so. If you're doing twenty seven one shots, there's got to be an end game to it. It can't yeah. just be for a quick <laughs> one and done. <gasps> <gasps> Prince is looking at me. Uh, there's got there's got to be more to it. Than than that, so I, I think uh, they really want to do more with the Star Wars books, which is which is cool to see. So uh, yeah, I'm all about it, all about it. I will be getting every single one of these. I'm going to try and find that Darth Maul one sometime this weekend. But all right, who is next? Me, me. I read. Uh, this is the Batman Who Laughs number one. It's a one of six. Uh, as you've heard me say, probably in the first episode, Dark Knight's Metal is one of the coolest story arcs I've read, um, and this is a follow-up story to it off one of the the most popular characters, which was in Dark Knight's Metal. They introduced these Batman uh, from the Dark Multiverse, so it was a whole different set of Earths that were all like darker and more twisted. And Batman killed the Flash and took his powers and became the Red Death. He killed, or he became a Green Lantern and became known as the Dawnbreaker and killed the whole Lantern Corps. Um, he became Death Machine by taking Cyborg's nanotech on. And then the Batman who laughs is he killed the Joker finally, and Joker had a virus in his heart that released and turned Batman into the Joker. So this Joker Bruce Wayne exists. And this story is all about that character, um, this story arc. 
uh, in this Dark Knight's Metal Universe um, who actually survived and got away, and now this is following um, what's going on with that character as he goes through different Earths. So this story doesn't start on Earth 1, but instead on a separate multiverse um, Earth. So I will hop into it. There is um, Bruce Wayne talking, actually. He's talking about his happiest memory, um, which is him being four years old, basically playing Red Rover with Alfred and his parents. And his parents are um, hugging him and keeping him from going inside. And he says the one thing he remembers is the laughter, all of the laughter, all of us laughing like lunatics as the sky darkened behind the house. Um, And it cuts over to Batman on the Bat Cycle, chasing down this truck carrying two houses on the back of it. Um, and in these people are smuggling something and the house is reinforced. Um, Batman sees like two vehicles about to get, they like get hit by this truck and they start to fall off the bridge and he shoots out his grappling hooks and saves both the vehicles and they're just hanging from the bridge. Um, and he has them look up the schematics <laughs> and then, Alfred says, I must say, Gotham Banks might consider offering Batman insurance policies. And Bruce Wayne goes, they do. Look it up. And it keeps going. <laughs> uh, it comes That comes back. Um, and he goes, sir, I'm not looking up a joke when... And he goes, just look up the schematics. So they keep going. Um, they throw one of the row houses at them, actually. Uh, and... Actually, or sorry, no, they don't throw it on. Batman charges the Bat Raptor through it, um, and then hops on, and he starts fighting, taking down these armed gunmen, um, and finally breaks into the other house. Um, and he goes, "For what it's worth, Batman insurance policies are called Dark Knight Returns." <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a Spider-Man joke. I, I was like, "Wait, is that Batman? <laughs> is, this Booster, is this Booster Gold?" That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It killed me. <laughs> um, so they start scanning this flatbed, and they actually find um, a coffin that's like... <laughs> Again? <laughs> you said Batman Returns. <laughs> During my review. <laughs> Baby! the new thing that's going to happen to me. You're never going to read so. a Batman comic ever again. Yeah, no. I'm not I'm scared to read anything cuz like it could be anything related to, the, to anything and music's going to pop up in it now. Um so anyway, we should play the Cantina Bandering. Oh, it? that would have been awesome. There was uh so it talks about how like these these people were actually smuggling bodies out of the city. They're like picking up gravestone or graves and like taking them out of the city. Um and that Gotham's Potterfield was established uh, for the most prominent citizens, the members of the five families. Um, and this is one of the grave sermon. When he opens it, it's actually his own body. Ooh. And he's looking at Bruce Wayne, and he's really confused. Um, so Alfred is doing an autopsy, and there's all these scars on this body, and they're like going over it, trying to figure out what it is. And it turns out it's Bruce... But it's Bruce if he would have quit after Bane broke his back. So oh. he has all the same scars up to a certain point. Um, but this Bruce Wayne actually has a son or has a daughter. He goes, how do you know that? And he goes, May is the name I would have chosen um, had me and Selena ever had a daughter. And he has a tattoo that says May on it. And 
like he's got a, a wedding ring on his finger and everything. Um, so he actually, this is a different Bruce. Had he quit? Oh, okay. And he goes, that reali- that means he's here. And he goes, um, this Bruce Wayne is happy. So it's it's definitely not me, but it's him. He's back now. And actually, I apologize. Alfred is in the in the car. It's Bruce that's actually doing the autopsy uh, in a disguise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My bad. Um, so it cuts over to Arkham Asylum, and he uh, after Bruce says he's here, I know it's him. Cuts over to Arkham Asylum, and these two cops are talking, and Batman shows up, and they're like, "What are you doing here? It's an honor to meet you." And then he cuts them both in half. And it cuts over, and they pull their guns out, and they turn around, and it is Batman, like, loaded. Guns strapped across his back, pistols in his hand, he's got machine guns, and he just, like, opens fire, shoots one of the cops in the head, breaks another one's neck, and freeze sees him. And he goes, please, like, um, the, the doctors say, when I lose control, the best thing is to... And as he goes to like calm Batman down, he lights Batman lights him on fire with a flamethrower. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> All the cops are dead. He like knives another one in the head. Walks in and he sees the Joker, and um, the Joker's like, "Don't tell me you're actually here to see me." And Batman goes, "No," but he is. And the Batman who laughs steps forward with a scythe in one hand and a chain in the other. Um, and he immediately like Joker starts begging for mercy and the Batman who laughs sinks the axe into the Joker's head. Uh, and it go- cuts over to Batman talking to Gordon and you find out it was actually a, a Joker double that was killed. Joker oh. must have known and snuck out of Arkham. Um, and they're going back and forth and Batman's basically explaining who the Batman who laughs is. Um, and about like Joker's heart containing a super toxin that turned him and everything. I kind of explained at the beginning um, and they're going back and forth, and he goes, so he's you, but with the mindset of the Joker. He was he's willing to kill, and he he's the embodiment of the idea that Batman always wins. Um, and <laughs> Batman basically explains how um, he's an apex predator, and actually gives the name of the other... Batman with all the guns, which I really liked. They call him the Grim Knight, which I thought was super dope. I really loved it. That's really cool. Even though, like, it's totally going to be some kid's Xbox name with, like, XX Grim Knight XX666. (laughs) I don't care. It's a cool name, but it's totally what it's going to be. But I really liked, like, this, like, Frank Castle esque Batman that I saw. So, did you watch the Titans finale? I haven't, but I haven't finished this yet. I know. I'm just saying there's an alternate reality Batman. Yes, that's a I was, that wants to kill the Joker. It's a cool thing. So it's pretty much like this. Yeah. That's cool. I have to watch Titans. I haven't even watched past the first episode because it was really hard to get through. But I've heard it's gotten better. Um Yeah. <laughs> well hurry up, Greg. What the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> I swear in our podcast sorry. What am I what happened? Where am I again? Here we go. Here's for an edit. Hurry up, Greg. What the heck? <laughs> So Batman Batman hops away and he actually finds out who this Joker's um who's this jo- this Joker's like who he had as one of his there we go. His body double that got killed in the asylum. Yeah. Joker's body double. Uh and the names are Glux Sansa 
Licken, and Gladjag are all the names this guy used, which all mean happiness except they have an extra word. Um, and the extra word – the extra letter rather, and it spells out the word sang. Um, and then he realizes that this is actually all pointing to um, what you would do with your career and all this different stuff and like where jo- – what would Joker's happiest moment in his life be? And that like this all points to that. Um, and he realizes it's Joker's happiest moment is the moment he met Batman. Um, and Batman like tells him like, open up the, 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 the water system, security systems, do it now. And as soon as he does it, Joker's already coming out of the water. Um, and he's like, I'm supposed to say knock, knock first. And Batman's like, you're going to be safe here, Joker. He goes, I don't want to be safe. And he pulls out a gun. And as he pulls the trigger, it actually backfires into his own chest. Oh. And as Batman grabs him, he goes, what are you doing? Why would you do that? And he realizes, oh. And Joker says the only way to beat him is to become him as the toxin releases. And Alfred asks Batman why he's smiling, what's wrong. And Batman starts laughing and changing into the Batman who laughs. And that's where it ends, dude. Cool. That last panel is awesome. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. That that's freaking sweet. Scott Snyder is killing it with these Batman books, dude. Like Batman, Dark Knight's Metal is the coolest thing going on in DC right now, in my opinion. And there's some new stuff from Dark Knight's Metal that isn't great, but the Batman stories that are going on, anything Snyder is touching is incredible, and I freaking love it. And I was not a Snyder fan up until recently. Um, he's really winning me over with these. I'm going to hop into it. The art style is actually very different. It's not your typical 2000s art style. Um, it has it, but it has also has like a reminiscent feeling of the 90s in a way. It, I really enjoy the art. I'm going to give it a 10. Okay. Um, action. The action was really cool. The fight in the beginning um, is just very different. I liked seeing more of a car chase than a straight-up fist fight. I'm going to – and then – the Grim Knight just wiping out everybody. I'm going to give the action an 8. Um, really liked that. Do, 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 do. The – oh, my gosh. I forgot everything. Dialogue. Um, no, story. Sto- who, who are you? I'm really tired today. <laughs> uh, story. Again, this is a freaking cool story. What are a cool idea like Batman finding a dead version of himself and the multiverse stuff and like – this dark multiverse makes me really intrigued. Who is the Grim Knight? These other Batmans that have shown up have been Batman who have killed uh, and taken the abilities or the skills of other Justice League members. So I'm wondering if Dark Knight's gonna f- or the Grim Knight's gonna fit into that same role, um, who he might be and why he might be the way he was. Because he's like a souped-up Thomas Wayne. He's even farther gone than Thomas Wayne is with the way he's using the weapons and and the fact that he's evil. Um, so I'm curious to see like the Grim Knight's backstory and kind of hope they, they include it. I think they will. Um, and just this, the whole thing and the ending, seeing this like other Batman who laughs because the way they beat the Batman who laughs the first time was Bruce and the Joker teamed up. Right. Uh, but he clearly didn't win. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm see, in, curious to see if the other multiverses get pulled into this. Um, so yeah, sorry. Story is a 10. I have a feeling this is going to be a good one. You enjoy this book? Oh, it's a good book. Dialogue was super solid. Uh, The Dark Knight Returns joke popped me huge. Um, Just Bruce's dialogue altogether was really good. They just did a really good job at driving the story. Um, 
is very clever, very well done. It wasn't like cheesy and like, hey, this is here to tell you everything that's going on. Um, it actually felt pretty organic. I'm going to give the dialogue an 8. Okay. And then rereadability is a 10. Uh, this is... I think the Dark Knight Metal is something I want to own all of. I want to own all the origin stories of all the different Batman characters from that. Um, I want to own all the Dark Knight Metal stories all together. Uh, and I'm going to get all six of these. All I already know it. It's something on my list. You're, you're a big fan of the Dark Knight Metal. It is the cool. It is the cool story. And it is something I think I've always liked Batman. I've never been like, ooh, Batman. This is like the this one of the stories that like I get pumped when I pick up a book every single I haven't read a single run out of this that was like this was terrible like there was a couple of the 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 Batman origins from that like the drowned one where he was like a woman and also had Aquaman's powers um, and a couple other stories I wasn't like okay this is amazing but it's still really good um, and that's this series just continues to deliver and it just gets to a point where it's like man when I've read like 25 issues in every single one of them I'm still excited it that's makes, good yeah it's incredible like I would if I read the whole Dark Knights Metal series I could probably individually rate each one over 40 so that's pretty tough and that, that's pretty hard <laughs> that's impressive so yeah this is a really good book I, I, I really recommend picking it up pick, pick, rec, again recommend picking up that story arc because it is shaping a lot of where DC Comics is headed right now um, it, they actually they just broke the source wall, and like that was all through Dark Knight's Metal. Um, so a lot of the storylines are driven by that story arc. Okay. 46 out of 50 yeah. for that one. Christopher Gallo, take us home. Um, real quick, uh, this one little footnote about sure. the Tomb Raider comic book. Uh, Dan Jurgens wrote it. Really? Yeah. Infamously wrote uh, Death of Superman, and yeah. uh, essentially written the current Green Lantern run. Oh, the 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 separate Green Lantern yeah. run. I'm only reading the Morrison run right now, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, that's cool. That is really cool. It's a little fun fact. Death Superman. He did that after Death Superman. Superstar. Someone's just been like, he probably really liked Tomb Raider. And well, <laughs> yeah, and like honestly, a lot of these, a lot of what I've been, I've been talking to like comic book owners and stuff, and like writers prefer to go independent because they have so much more freedom with what they're allowed to do with the yeah. characters, and that's why, like again, Dark Knight Metal is sweet because Snyder's just going nuts. But they have they don't have to follow a large continuity. They don't have to fit anything in. They can just do like some random one off story that they well, want to do. Well I read that Frank Miller Robocop. Exactly. Like, Terminator one that was really like cool. writers and just like it's like doing like a like just like a comedy show that is just off to the side and f- just for you, or like a small wrestling show where you have more control. Sometimes you just need that break where you can just do the things you want to do and not have to worry about being part of this bigger other story or something, you know? Indeed. Indeed. Get your sass out of here. I'm not sassy. You're sassy. I'm really sassy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I will take us home. Um, My new book of this week uh, is X-Force number one. So the new run of X-Force. Very cool cover with a Stan Lee tribute. There actually is a... uh, cool, like Stan Lee, like drawing. With, oh, that's nice. Like, yeah, every single so. Marvel book for the last two weeks. Good. So very cool. So we'll kind of get right into it. Um, uh, we're in Transia, a European country, probably not too far away from uh, 
you know, uh, where is he from? A lot, uh, lot very. Uh, yeah, I would imagine not too far away from it. But uh, you're in Transia, um, and it starts off with uh, basically these soldiers, and they're hunting for mutants. And there's this kid. Um, his name's Tristan. He's a mutant wearing a Spider-Man shirt, which I love when they tie in those things. Uh, wearing <laughs> I a Spider-Man catch that shirt. When I was reading that. Uh, trying to get away uh, from these mutant hunters, and they kill him. They kill him right in front of his mother. Um, so just brutal stuff there, uh, you know, from these mutant hunters and the equipment that they're using is very futuristic and very high tech, just kills them like boom, like that with like a laser. So now we flash forward to Queens and we're in a warehouse. Um, and these guys are, are getting beat up and they're like a, uh, an anti-mutant force as well. And they're getting beat up by the X-Force and we have Warpath, we have Shatterstar, we have Cannonball and we have Domino and, uh, they're looking for, uh, a, a man in in a picture which is Kid Cable, so they're yeah. they're they're looking for Kid Cable and they're calling him a terrorist and they want to talk to him and they they you know they they basically they they said that he uh um uh they said that he is what's McCall uh they believe that uh he may have killed one of their friends or whatever which they didn't dig too far into that but basically they're trying to find Kid Cable and they're trying to get information. Um, out of these, uh, you know, terrorists because the guy's got a picture with Kid Cable, you know, and they have these guns. So, uh, you know, so, you know, they, they get rid of these terrorists, but then more terrorists show up uh, with these, like, laser guns or whatever. And uh, there's a line where, like, sorry, Domino, Boom Boom was supposed to be here, we're shorthanded. And that just ties in later to a nice little Boom Boom earlier in that day story, which we'll get to in a minute. But, uh, Nice fight scenes with Shatterstar, and like I said, they're beating up these goons. They finally get one of the goons, and they're like, hey, what's going on here? You know, what happened here? Whatever. And they, and he was saying that, uh, you know, he, he said he was going to trade information on the X-Men and Avengers for guns. So Kid Cable is going to give X-Men information, and he's going to give Avengers information for guns. Um, and so he and his partner, and they go, partner, what partner? He goes, I don't know, some stiff-looking American. Um, the two of them, they go to Transia to meet with Constantine, head of the Transian military. So so now they're like, well, I guess we need to come to Transia. But there's a fun line where Warpath is just beating the crap out of all these guys. And Domino's like, you just can't kill every, and, and she's like, we're not Cannonball. Warpath, did you kill him? Like, questioning <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> And he goes, no, you said no, killing unless necessary. I just heard him. And there is a cool little line dialogue, too, that, you know, we're not like the X-Men. We hurt people. We're actually bad. <laughs> <laughs> so the Domino says it to one of the, you know, to the guy that questioned. So, you know, Cannonball's questioning. You, you know, he's like, kid cable trading info from guns? Like, I still, you know, I still don't see him as a real deal cable, but, you know, this just doesn't make sense. So they get into a jet. Um, we go into the transient federal house, and we have the president, and he is actually meeting with Constantine, Constantine, which is like this uh, general or whatever, and they're a little back and forth. And basically what's happened is, is the president of Transia has allowed that country to be a mutant refuge. So okay. A lot of mutants to live there or everything. In the exchange of weapons, they don't say who is giving him weapons because he says he is a partner as well. So, uh, you know, my partner is trading me weapons for to keep mutants in a refuge, to be a mutant safe haven, right? Well, this Constantine guy's like, yeah, but, you, you know, I heard you were killing these mutants, this and that. Is that right? He goes, well, yeah, because they endanger our people, this and that, whatever. 
And he basically threatens to fire this guy because he's out there killing mutants when they're supposed to be a mutant safe haven. And that's the reason why they have these high tech weapons from the future. So you go in. So now we're in the transient science and research department and we see like a guy in a cloak and like a metal arm and he's just shooting up all these scientists. um, And he's going to save somebody, which is on an operator table. Well, the guy in question is kid cable and the one that is laying on uh, torn up is Deathlock, all into parts. Oh. And what happened was this Deathlock was out there with Kid Cable as a spy, and they caught Deathlock, and they were basically uh, doing research on him and everything. So he's trying to put Deathlock apart as much as he can, but the uh, transient military comes in, and they start shooting. And then this is the little nod to Star Wars. He has a half put together Deathlock with all his parts attached to his back while he's out there shooting and everything. There's even a, a like a little bit of a better scene like that. I That's appreciate awesome. that very much. That so. is the cool little Star Wars nod. <laughs> At least he shoots guns and stuff though. It's yeah, he's it's not just C3PO just chatting his ear off. Yeah, Deathlock's still <laughs> shooting guns and everything, which is pretty neat. Um so they're they're fighting the transient military and everything. Like I said, this is a real big fight because of the guns and everything. Yes. <laughs> Matt didn't get music. We're gonna get him next week. No, you won't. <laughs> well, yeah, Matt has the power of editing. Yeah, I do. Plus, I'm closing the show with "Kiss from a Rose" by Seal. <laughs> so, um, so uh. They're about to land, the X-Force, and they mentioned, like, I thought this was supposed to be a little tiny republic. He goes, yeah, but their military uh, infrastructure has been growing rapidly, and no one knows how. So uh, there's this big explosion on there. Um, and, yeah, and that's the best the best panel of the Star Wars reference right there. Yeah. Um, so they land there, and they just start fighting the transient military, too, because they want to get to Kid Cable and Deathlock, and just some really cool, like, these panels of fighting were awesome. By the way, the art style Visually very cool. was not current Marvel. It was no. very Samurai Jackish. Yes, I could see where you're going or, with that. Or even Another like a Hellboy I, run. It's weird as it sounds. It's like Venture Brothers from yes, Adult Swim. 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> there, it was bugging me. I couldn't put my finger out 100%, there. 100% very Venture Brothers. <laughs> yeah, no, you're 100% correct, actually. Um, so while this is fighting, you know... Uh, you know, we see the president of, of Transia. He's questioning the general, like, what is this? And he goes, oh, the mutants have launched an attack to free the cyborg spy that we captured yesterday. Uh, you know, please get ready. I need, you know, I need to escort you somewhere. So, of course, the president's getting ready. And boom, shot down. Uh, Constantine kills him. The, you know, the transient general c- kills him. And then he goes, and then he goes out to this, to a bunch of people in the military. And he's like, the, the the mutants they killed the president and ran. So they're in some hotel in Bulgaria, and it's the X Force and they got Kid Cable and they're putting together Deathlock and putting them together in a motel bed, which is like <laughs> pr- pretty funny. So they're putting them back together and they're kind of questioning Kid Cable, like, "What would you do?" You know, he goes, "You know, I needed the guns, didn't you know? Their guns are from the future. You know, that's you know that's why you wanted to give them information and this and that." And, uh, you know, they're rattling off all the guns or whatever like that. And what they were and they were trying to figure out how they were also getting the guns as well. So not only did they want to get the guns, but they also were trying to figure out 
who is giving them these guns from the future, you know, this transient government. Uh, and and then Domino says, well, we need to go tell the president, whatever, that Constantine was, you know, they're killing, the, you know, they're killing these mutants, um, you know, and, and this and that. And they're, you know, they're, yeah, they're taking the mutant refugees and then they're going to kill them after the president says they're they're good. And and so Domino goes, let's go tell the president. And Warpath is like, uh, no, that's not going to happen. And it says, you know, roughly 9 p.m. last night, mutant revolutionaries broke into our science research center, stealing weapons before making their way to the offices of President Nicholas Bunkavu, where they proceeded to assassinate oh. our good leader. We believe these mutant revolutionaries have been working with American spies. And right on the on the video, they show Kid Cable and Deflock on the news. You know, and it goes until the mutant threat that faces our great country has been exterminated completely. So now he's making a martial law, and they're just going to start killing every single mutant oh. in Transia. Uh, wow. We get a little short story earlier in that morning. Here's Boom Boom oversleeping. She's got text messages uh, from Warpath and text messages uh, f- f- from um, Domino. She finally, she's trying to get ready. She can't get a hold of them. Whatever she gets into the, uh, she gets into the, the the Uber. She starts like have a nice little banter back and forth with the Uber driver or whatever. Um, and she she busts in. She goes, "All right, boom, boom's here. Let's get this party started." And like, it's already happened. Like they've already beat the guys <laughs> up and everything like that. She's she's like super late. Um, and she starts questioning the guy that's kind of still alive. And he's like, "Please give me an ambulance. Give me an ambulance." And um, She's like, well, give me information here. And she goes, listen, your friends, they want to know where we got the weapons. All we know is that as a man who sells them, come, who sells them to us, he comes from the future. I've only seen, I don't know his name. He uh, Just that, he is a mutant and he can travel through time. But I doubt you ever see a mutant wrench. And she, he goes to kill uh, Boom Boom. Boom Boom throws the fireball at, you know, at him. But there's, he's also in a warehouse full of explosives. There's a giant explosion. Uh, and, and she gets out of there, and basically she's trying to reach uh, Domino to kind of tell him because they actually didn't know that there's someone actually. Uh, so whoever's selling the guns is from the future. Okay, so, I know it's a crazy story, but it, and, and it's pretty cool because then when they preview number two, uh, they say the X Force has been framed for murder, and in order to clear their names, they must team up with the Young Cable and Deflock. But will they be able to put aside their differences enough to Bless stop you. a mutant genocide? See, I'm hooked on that. Like I haven't read the book yet, but I'm hooked on that storyline right now. It was a really cool story. Remember the extermination I read one through yes. five of? So this is a follow up. This is after. Okay. This is what happens after extermination. I think there's an exterminated book as well that tells the story in the future. Okay. I wonder who from the future is selling the guns. I don't know because they didn't teach. Bishop. So, so Bishop is part oh, of maybe. In, the, ex, the uncanny. It has to be somebody right that cares enough for mutants because so, yeah. is it future? Is it older Cable? An older Cable battles young Cable? That would be so, interesting. Swerve. Spoiler alert. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. We'll talk you about. already know this because you read Exterminated. That's true. <laughs> Don't spoil it for the people who didn't read it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Snape kills Dumbledore. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> Snape, Snape also tried to take down Nak- Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right. So let's go into rating this book. This very, well, you very. You haven't rated your book yet. <laughs> Very, very good book. No, I am not. It was a long one, but it was a good one. All right. Uh, artwork. I loved the different artwork. I thought it was really sweet. Uh, 
I love the whole, like you said, Venture Brothers style. I'm going to give that a 10. I can't believe how much I like that. Once I figured out what it was, I like it a lot more. <laughs> the action was really cool. Uh, there was the they were beating up the goons. Um, there was the you know the guys killing the mutant refugees. Uh, there was the escape uh, from the science and research center with um, with Kid Cable and Deflock. Then there was the fight outside of the science and research center, um, and you know which I thought was pretty cool. Almost constant action in the whole book. I'm gonna give it a ten. That was sweet. Awesome. Someone really likes this book. Yeah. <laughs> Storyline. Uh, pretty cool. Um, I almost know everything what's going on. I didn't read Exterminated or Extermination, so I don't know everything. So with that, I'm going to give that an eight. But I can pretty much get what's going on. Dialogue. Dialogue's freaking fantastic. Uh, boom Boom stuff in the end is hilarious. And I, I for the short on time, like I didn't go through all of it, but she's hilarious. Uh, and then the little Star Wars reference and all that. that I appreciate cool. that. Uh, so I'm going to give a dialogue a 10. And as far as rereadability, absolutely want to pick this up. And I want to read number two. I mean, the fact that they're running away, they're they're being framed for murder. And, and Deathlock being on X-Force, which is, which is really cool. That is a nice And little... if you look at the little thing, they give him an X-Men costume or X-Force costume, <gasps> which is pretty freaking sweet. Greg, I'll let you salivate over there. Uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, so, uh, let's go 10. So I think 48. That's correct. And only cause I haven't read the extermination room. 48 out of 50. That is our highest rated book of the week. Very, very cool. Awesome, it was a guys. different take, but it's still blended in with what they got going on right now. Sweet. This is a solid week of books. This I'm really, really happy one. with all everything that we reviewed th- today. Um, the new books were especially killer, in my opinion. Now, yes. I actually did want to read this, and I'll do it as quick as possible. Yeah, go yeah, ahead, dude. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, for all these books the last two weeks, they put something called Stan's Soapbox in the back. And it was an infamous letter that Stan Lee wrote to the fans. Okay. Um, and I'll kind of write it, read it as quick as possible. But it goes, hang loose, heroes. Now that I've got your ear, I'm not letting go. Our first tintubulating topic is going to be the Marvel philosophy. Whenever I get together with any of you frantic ones, the first question posed is usually, where are you fellas really trying to do in your mags? What message are you pushing? Is it the whole Marvel series just a big put on, or are you trying to tell us something? Are you actually serious about your characters? Do you really believe in them? Etc. 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 Well, just between us, we believe in our Cavorton characters a lot more than we believe in some people we know. And we do have a motive, our, a purpose behind our mags. The purpose is plain and simple, to entertain you. We think we found the best formula of all. We merely create the type of fanciful yarns that we, all, we ourselves enjoy, and that if we like them, you ought to like them too. After all, you're all our kind of people. Now then, in the process of providing offbeat entertainment... If we can also do our bit to advance the case of intellectualism, humanitarianism, and mutual understanding, and to toss a little swinging satire at you in the process, that won't break our collective heart one tiny bit. That's it, Pussycat. Thanks for listening. That's really nice. It's a good and, way to end the episode. And that, and, I think so. And that's that's Marvel. That's Marvel for you. That's a perfect way to end this episode. Uh, everybody, uh, thank you so much for giving us you know, your ears, your undivided attention. On behalf of Chris, Greg, and myself, uh, this has been another awesome episode of The Panel Discussion. We'll see you next week.
much a man can tell you, so much he can say. Won't you tell me is that healthy, baby? Did you know that when it snows, my eyes become a light, and the light that you shine can't be seen.